Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. They said, they spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Welcome along, everyone, to Trinity Church Mobbury, and um, happy Good Friday to everyone, if that's, a, if that's an appropriate expression to use. My name is Mark. If we haven't met, I'm one of the, the pastors here at Mobbury, and it's wonderful to be with you today on this, this special, special day. Well, we're in, we're in election season at the moment. We've um, just had the state election. We've got a federal one coming up in a few weeks' time, which means that we've got lots of opinion polls in our newspapers. We've got lots of voting material in our letterboxes, and we've got lots of posters on our stobie poles wherever we drive around. And now everyone who runs for an election obviously tries to, tries to present themselves in the most impressive way possible, tries to, to convince us that they're the person that we want in power. And I'm not knocking that, I'd do the exact same thing if I was running for it. Uh, the smiling photographs, the, the fancy clothing, the well-worded election promises. It's quite different to what we see from Jesus in Matthew chapter 27 as he prepares to die. Here we have a man who has been betrayed by a friend, put on trial, flogged, mocked, beaten, a crown of thorns crushed into his head, stripped naked and killed in the cruelest way imaginable and taunted as he slowly dies. This isn't an impressive king in the world's eyes. In fact, everyone thought that the idea of him being king was a bit of a joke, really. You've got the, the crown of thorns that's put on his head. 
You've got the written charge against him, king of the Jews. And the heckles from the crowd come down from the cross if you really are a king. Jesus isn't the king they imagined. He isn't the king they wanted. And if we're being honest, perhaps Jesus isn't always the king that we want either. But the message that rings loud and clear at Easter time is that Jesus is the king who we desperately need. Because Jesus is the king who saves us. And the clicker doesn't seem to be working, so I may just need you to... (laughs) Ah, yep, there we go. I think that's got it. Jesus is the king who saves us. Just some technical issues here. Um, Matthew, in his written account of Jesus' life that that we're reading through at the moment, he's told us this right from the start, even before Jesus was born. We're told that he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus, he knows that this is why he's come. He tells his disciples not long before his death, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And in fact, it's not just Matthew's gospel that we see this. The whole Bible has been building up to this. Um, Have a listen to these words from Psalm 22. Now, this was a psalm written a thousand years before Jesus went to the cross, but it it describes Jesus' final hours in such vivid detail. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. The Bible doesn't just tell us that Jesus is going to die. It tells us why he has to die, to save us. Uh, So 700 years before Jesus went to the cross, Isaiah wrote these words. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. By his wounds, we are healed. By his punishment, we have peace. This, this is what all of history has been building up to, up to that point. The crowds, they, they shout at Jesus, if you are who you claim to be, then, then prove it. If you really are the saviour, then save yourself. If you really are our king, then come down. If you really are the son of God, then tell God to rescue you. The irony, of course, is that Jesus could have saved himself. The reason he didn't was so that he could save us. Because Jesus is the king who saves us by standing in our place. Now, near the, the start of our reading, we met a guy called Barabbas. Not a great guy. We, we read in Matthew's Gospel that he is condemned to die. If we, if we were to flip over a few verses and, and look at Luke's Gospel, we'd see that Barabbas was a murderer and a terrorist. He was someone who was deserving of death at, in that time under that law. No one would have been in any doubt that Barabbas deserved to die. And we contrast that with Jesus. 
who is completely innocent. Judas knew that Jesus was innocent. He hangs himself at the guilt that he feels for betraying an innocent man. Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. What crime has he committed? He asks the crowd. Even Pilate's wife, who who really has nothing to do with this, she knows that Jesus is innocent. And even the Jewish leaders who have put him on trial, they know that Jesus is innocent. They have to prepare false witnesses just to get him on trial. So Barabbas is guilty, and Jesus is innocent. It couldn't be more clear. And yet the crowds get their way. A guilty man walks free, while an innocent man goes to his death. An innocent person dies for a guilty person. And the sting in the story here is that each one of us is Barabbas. We are Barabbas. Because on our own, by our own efforts, we stand guilty before God. See, God made people as his, his special creation. He, ma- he made us to live in a loving relationship with him, to, to serve him, to honor him, to enjoy him, to find our all in him. But instead, we chose to, to turn away from God, to live, to rule our own lives rather than to, to live under his loving rule. We chose to live for ourselves, not for God. And this is what the Bible calls sin. Sin isn't so much something that I do wrong. It's, it's deeper than that. It's, it's a spiritual condition. It's about my heart, having a heart that is all about me rather than being all about God. And it's sin that Jesus came to save us from by standing in our place. Now, this idea of sin isn't a particularly popular one. It's, in fact, it's pretty offensive when you think about it, isn't it? It's, it's saying that none of us, none of us are good enough for God. We need someone else to, to come in and, and make us right with God. It's not really a, a feel-good message, is it? But if it's true, if what the Bible says about sin is true, then it is a really important message to understand. Is it true? Well, it gives us a pretty good explanation for why things are the way they are in the world at the moment. See, if people were, were mostly good, then you'd kind of expect that human civilization would be moving slowly and slowly closer towards a perfect world. There'd be less and less war, less and less poverty, less crime, less corruption. But we know the world isn't like that, don't we? It's not the case. And we know as well that it's not just out there that things are bad. Sin explains what goes on in here as well. It explains the guilt that we carry about the selfish things that we've done, the harmful things that we've said, the shameful things that we've thought. It explains that feeling that I'm not the person I ought to be. It explains that feeling as we look around that that this world isn't the way it's meant to be. This isn't the way it's meant to be. 
sin in an uncomfortable way makes perfect sense of the world that we live in. And it leaves us guilty, condemned, in need of rescue. It leaves us exactly where Barabbas found himself on that day. And the only way out is for someone to stand in my place and to take what should have been mine. But that's not just something that anyone can do. I can't stand in the place of anyone here and and take the judgment on your behalf because on my own, I'm a sinner as well. I'm no better than any of you. It would have to be someone human who could truly represent us as a human, but also someone completely innocent, someone without sin. It could only be the perfect son of God, God's chosen king, Jesus. No one else could die in my place. And by standing in my place and taking the punishment that should have been mine, Jesus is the king who brings us to God. He's the king who brings us to God. My sin is its kind of like a, a relational brick wall that stands between me and God. It, it stops me from being properly able to relate to God. It affects the relationship. But if Jesus has taken that sin on himself, then there's no barrier that separates me and God. I can come to God. I can be in relationship with him. I'm no longer guilty in his sight. Because Jesus has taken that guilt on his shoulders. And this is actually really powerfully illustrated the moment that Jesus dies. Uh, We read in Matthew 27, verse 51, that at that moment, as Jesus breathes his last, the curtain of the temple is torn in two from top to bottom. Now, this curtain isn't the sort of thing that you, you pick up in spotlight for $5 a square meter or whatever. This, this is a, a heavy-duty, industrial-sized sheet which separates the kind of like the extra-holy part of the Jewish temple from where everyone else is allowed to go. And notice it's torn from top to bottom as if to symbolize that God himself is making a way for the barrier between him and us to be torn down. A few years later, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, explains it like this. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Jesus died on the cross. The innocent for the guilty. Him for us, to bring us to God. Most of us, if we're over 18 and we're, we're citizens here, we're going to be voting at the election in a few weeks' time. And what is it that's going to shape your vote for that election? I'm sure there's going to be a, a few factors involved, but, but ultimately, we want a ruler who is going to use their power for our good. We want a ruler who is going to use their power for our good. And that's a really good thing to want. But on Good Friday, we we see what it is, not just that we want, but we see what it is that we truly need. A king who can save us and bring us to God by standing in our place. 
a king who takes what should have been ours to give us what could never in any other way have been ours. Forgiveness of our sins. A right relationship with God. Often, when we, when we think about God and when we, we think about religion, often we can think that it's all about me earning my way to God, trying to be a better person so that hopefully I, I do enough. Hopefully God is happy with me. And maybe, maybe you're here this morning and, and that's where you're at. That's your picture of God, that God has set the pass mark for your life and, and now it's up to you to achieve that. It's up to you to, to go out and, and pass the exam and earn his favour. Well, that is not the message of Good Friday at all. If we could earn our way into God's favour, if we could do it on our own, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die. Now, what the Bible tells us is that we were dead in our sins. We, we weren't just struggling in our sins. We were dead in our sins. And at the cross, Jesus paid it all. He stood in our place and he paid it all. There's going to be a day when everyone, all of us, everyone who's ever lived in the world, all of us will stand before God and all of our sin will be punished. Everything that we've thought or said or done that's offensive to the God of the universe, it's all going to come under his judgment. And that judgment is either going to come down on us or it's going to come down on Jesus on that cross. And it all depends on how we've responded to the cross. Have we ignored it? Have we laughed at it? Have we been offended by it? Or have we thrown ourselves on God's mercy and accepted the king's sacrifice on our behalf? You might be here this morning, um, not normally a churchgoer, just, just here because it's Easter, maybe, maybe visiting with family or friends, um, which is great. Welcome along. It's so good that you're with us this morning. If you think that there, there, might be, there might be something in all of this, but you're not quite sure about, not sure about it yet, well, please don't just go home, switch on the footy and, and forget about it all. I'd love you to um, grab one of these books that we've got at the, at the back of the table. We've got a couple of different ones. We've got a, got a white one and a black one. Feel free to read the blurb and see which one tickles your fancy the most. But they're, they're both books that, that unpack the message of Easter and, and in a really clear and simple way explain where it lands in my life, what, what it means for me. Just feel free to grab one as you, you head out. They're our gift to you today. We'd also love to see you back here on Sunday, same time, same place here on Sunday, because the death of Jesus that we remember on Good Friday is only the first part of the Easter story. You're welcome here, not just this Sunday, but every Sunday as we meet together and as we learn more and more about God from the Bible each week. And we've also got an event coming up in a couple of months' time called the Life Series. This is something that we run in a local cafe. We run it at um, Zito, just down at Tea Tree Plaza. And it's over five Thursday nights in June. It's a, it's a really relaxed setting. What we do is we, we meet together and we, we look at what it means 
to live life following Jesus. We, we ask, does Jesus make life any better? Is, is life better with Jesus? And does what the Bible says about Jesus actually stack up? Is it true? Can it be trusted? And what difference will Jesus make to my life? It's, it's um, a great series for anyone of any age, any background. We'd love to have you along. Feel free to pick up a flyer at the back table if that's something that you're interested in or, or have a bit of a chat to me if that's something that you're keen on. Um, you can come along, you can have some cheesecake and a hot chocolate or a chai latte or whatever it is that you drink in the evening and ask any questions that you want and decide for yourself whether life with Jesus is something that you're interested in or not. If you're someone here who has already put your trust in Jesus, then, then that's great as well. You probably know all too well from your own experience that God doesn't always give us exactly what we want in life. Maybe there are things that you've been asking him for, praying for, and, and nothing's happened. God doesn't seem to be answering those prayers. And, and you think to yourself, does God really love me? Does God really care? How can, I, how can I trust in a good God if he's not doing this in my life? I, I can certainly vouch I've had those experiences. I'm sure most of us have, where, where God just seems to be leaving us hanging on something. Well, whenever we feel like God doesn't love us, whenever, whenever we wonder where is God in this situation, we can take a look at the cross. Because it's there that we see so clearly that God has given us what we truly need. A king worthy and willing to lay down his life for mine. Because the sinless saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you that Jesus doesn't just give us cheap election promises to satisfy us in the moment, but rather that he is the king we desperately need, the king who stood in our place on the cross to save us from our sin, the king who brings us into relationship with you. We praise you for this king in all his beauty, the sacrifice for ruined man, the substitute for sinners. How worthy is Jesus our king. Amen.